What do you want for Christmas this year? I've been asked numerous times by my family members, what gift do you want for Christmas? And I just give them my usual response. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what gift I want. I may not know what gift I want for Christmas, but I do know what I want for Christmas. Not so much of physical gifts or present, but my Christmas prayer wish is really for a better Malaysia. We know that 2021 has been a very trying year, a very rough time for our country. One crisis after another crisis, you know, and we know that the COVID, the lockdown has already taken such a toll on our country. And coupled with all the political instability, mismanagement in many areas, and, uh, but the recent massive flood strike another blow to the recovery of the nation. Look like a dark cloud is just hovering over our land. But we have to keep fighting the battle. We have to keep fighting the battle against both man-made as well as natural disasters. And in the midst of darkness, we are looking for light. A light that will bring hope to the frustrated, a light that will bring hope to the helpless and even to the hopeless. And that's why this morning I would like to entitle the Christmas message as hope. Hope is something that all of us need. About two, 600 years, about 600 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Jeremiah lamented the affairs of the fallen nation. Uh, the nation of Israel and Judah has fallen, both the northern and southern kingdom, and the people were scattered all over, at first to Assyria and then later to Babylon. They were taken away to far away land. And in the midst of grief, in the midst of despair, the prophet Jeremiah found hope in God. And he said in Lamentation, chapter 3, verse 21 to 24, Yes, this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. You see, this prophet, when he saw the nation was being broken down, you know, when they saw the temple was being destroyed, when they saw the homeland is being completely, you know, uh, run down by the enemy, when they were taken into exile, he couldn't help, but he wept. Therefore, he was called a weeping prophet. He wept for the nation. His heart was broken, you know, and I believe some of us were going through that as we look at uh, the disasters that's coming upon our land one after another, and when you look at some of the flood situation, you know, you just bring tears to our eyes, you know, and you say, what is happening? What is happening? You know, and so this prophet, in the midst of it, he held on to his hope in God. Because he believed in the loving and the compassionate God. Because he said that because of his great love, we are not consumed. His compassion never fails us. God is still faithful. In the midst of calamity, God is still there for us. God is there to bring us hope. Hope is much needed when we are in desperation. Often it's hope that keeps us going. And it's hope 
you know, that help us to overcome the very trying moments in life. People who are, you know, faced with disaster or people who face with terminal illness, they need hope to carry on. They need not only the support of family and friends, but they need hope for them to better on, especially for those who are ill, for those who are sick. And so for the Jews in exile, what was their hope? Their hope was for the coming of the Messiah. They say, yes, our nation may be broken. We are, you know, uh, 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 being taken into exile. But then they hope in the coming of the Messiah, the coming of a Savior. They look forward. He said that when the Messiah will come, he will deliver us. He's going to establish uh, our kingdom again. He's going to help us to overcome our enemy and give us the victory. Where do we put our hope in today? Many people today put their hope in the wrong place. They trust in wealth. They trust in a successful career or perhaps in a relationship, or even in their social status. That's why people want to grab power. They want to grab authority. Ask what about the refugees in our land? Perhaps the refugees living in our land, their hope is being repatriated to a third country, probably a country in the West, maybe to the US, maybe to Canada, Right? Or some other country who's willing to take them in for a better future for themselves, for their children, for the next generation. Right? And what about those who are born in a poor family? A child coming from a poor family. Maybe their hope is in a good education. That's why you see you know, many of us place such emphasis in having a good education and perhaps get a scholarship and study well, have a successful career, make it in life so that they can come out of the cycle of poverty. There is nothing wrong with putting hope in all this. It's important for them to have something to look forward to. But none of this is a firm foundation upon which we can build our life. So the question is, where lies our hope? Where lies our hope? This is a question I would like to ask you as well. The psalmist, he proclaimed the right place to put our hope in. In Psalm 146 verse 5, the psalmist said, Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Yes, the psalmist found it. It's not in Korea, it's not in a new place, it's not in you know, uh, 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 any other things that the world can offer, but he said our hope is in the God that we trust in. God is our hope. And indeed, God is our source of hope. And he proclaimed the message of hope to mankind when Jesus was born. And this morning, I would like to read to you from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to verse 25. If you have your Bible, you can turn along with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. And this is really the Christmas message that we are talking about this morning. Reading from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This wonderful passage of scripture not only tells us about the miraculous conception and birth of Jesus, who is the Son of the living God. And this passage of Scripture tells us that the birth of Jesus is really a message of hope that comes from heaven itself. It is God that gives us this message of hope that a virgin is going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit and she's going to call him Jesus and call him Emmanuel. This is a message of hope and it tells us that we have hope. We have hope first of all because Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to save us. Many problems faced by mankind can be traced back to the problem of sin. Now, whenever we face a natural disaster, who are we blaming? Who do we blame? Uh, we will blame it on nature, uh, and we will even blame it on God. Like the recent flood, uh, they have so devastated the Klein Valley, especially Shalom, you know, Sakambut area. And, and people blame it on God. They say, well, they call, even call it the acts of God. And when you call it the acts of God, you know, it, it's very difficult to even get an insurance claim because it's acts of God, ma, right? So you cannot fight God, ma. So it's very difficult to get claim. Ma. Why do we call acts of God? Like the flood in Selangor. You notice that one government department will want to pass a buck to another government department. One agency will want to push it, push the responsibility to another agency. And you notice that no one wants to own it, that it's their fault. No one wants to own it, that it's their failure. And eventually, they blame it on God. Well, it rained too much on one day. The rain is supposed to spread over one whole month. But it rained on one day. That's why we couldn't cope. Blame who? Blame God. Because God didn't spread out the rainfall. Right? So we want to find somebody we can blame on. Huh? But we fail to realize that it was because of human greed. We fail to realize that because of human selfishness and inconsideration that we have destroyed the environment, we have destroyed the ecosystem, we have clogged the drain, we have polluted the water source, and when we are in trouble, we say it's acts of God. We know that man is on the road of self-destruction because of sin. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and we fall short of God's glory. We were born with a sinful nature. And you know, from young, nobody teaches us how to do bad things, but somehow we pick it up. We pick it up along our way. There is what this Adam nature in us, that there is a tendency for us to turn towards sin. And that's why, because of sin, we are on the way of self-destruction. But thank God that God still loves us. Like Jeremiah said, because of God's great love, we are not consumed. His compassion never fails. Can you imagine if God were to be very angry with us, and if God decides to consume us, 
You know what? Consume your pin, just like a consuming fire. Something you put in the fire is all being burned up. If God is going to consume us, all of us will be dead. None of us will stand a chance. None of us will have a hope. None of us will even be sitting down here. We will have no water baptism. There will be no testimony about the grace of God, about how God has saved us, about how God has healed us. But thank God that because of His loving kindness, because of His compassion, instead of destroying us, God in His mercy sent forth His Son and he, the angel gave the message to Mary and to Joseph, you are to name this boy Jesus. And the meaning Jesus was really, you know, a Hebrew uh, me, uh, meaning, uh, which means Yahweh the Savior, God the Savior, Jesus. Why call him Jesus? Because he's God coming to save us. He came to save us from our sin. Now, the sin has caused many of our problems. But when the problem of sin is dealt with, we are able to live a blessed life according to the will and the plan of God. A blessed life is not, does not mean a life without problem. But it does, mean that when, it does mean that when we face problems, we, we are able to live above our problem. It is not life without problem, but the ability to live above the problem because Jesus has come to help us. He has promised to give us an abundant life. Jesus not only saves us from our sin, he also heals us from sicknesses, from diseases, because we know all these are the effects of human sin that brought about sicknesses and diseases in the world. Just now we have heard some very wonderful testimony by those who got baptized in water, right? and they testify of God's saving grace, they testify for God's healing, they testify for God's deliverance. Right? And perhaps we just re refresh our memory a bit. Huh? Uh, Lena, at the age of 14, she testified of God healing her severe migraine. From time to time, she had that migraine. But when the cell members prayed for her, she got healed. Yes, there's a healing power in Jesus. Joyce was telling us she got a backache and she laid hand on herself and she was healed. Right? And God healed her because of her faith in God. And Chong also testified that he has fully recovered from a medical condition where he looked to the Lord in prayer earnestly and prayed. And today, uh, he is in a pain of hell. VN testified that she was delivered from her depression, from her anxiety. She used to live in isolation, now no more because Jesus had delivered her. Jesus has set her free. Amen. Uh, and there are many more testimonies like what Peter and uh, uh, Gina has shared as well. God provided for them, you know. God had taken away the anger. All these are testimony of Jesus who is the living Savior of our life. Give God the glory, shall we? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm sure there are many more testimonies. And for those of you who are sitting here, and for those of you watching online, I'm sure many of you have also experienced God's healing power, God's provision, God's faithfulness. That's why you are still faithfully worshipping God and trusting in Jesus. Praise the Lord. We have hope not only because Jesus has come to save us. Secondly, the Bible tells us in this passage, we have hope because Jesus is with us. Emmanuel, the angel announced another name about this baby. Emmanuel, the meaning of Emmanuel means God with us. 
And because Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is with her, us. And this name, Emmanuel, is so comforting. It is very, very comforting to each and every one of us. It makes a world of difference between those who know God and those who do not know Him. For those who know God, you'll find the spiritual strength and the resources to withstand the trials of life because Jesus was with them. God knows and God, what we will go through in life. There are many trials in this sinful world. God is telling us that he has not abandoned us. Why choose this name, Emmanuel? Because God knows the trial we are going to go through. And instead, he promised us his presence. He said, when you are going through your struggle, challenges in life, when you realize that you cannot withstand it anymore, the weight is too heavy, remember, Emmanuel, I am with you. I am God that stay by your side. When we are lost, when we are helpless, when we are in danger, remember, Emmanuel, Jesus is with us. Even though sometimes we cannot see him. In fact, a lot of times we cannot see God with our naked eyes. But God, he sees us. Sometimes we can feel his tangible presence when we worship. But at times, God seems so far away when we are overwhelmed with our own trouble. But yet, he is still there. Whether we feel him or not, whether we see him or not, he's still there watching over us and he's ready to stretch forth his hand to help us and to lift us up. About 11 years ago, on 5th August 2010, there were 33 Chilean miners, right, miners in uh, Chile. They were trapped 700 meters underground after an explosion. They call it the San, jo the, the San Jose explosion, right? So they were, they, were, they were kind of, you know, trapped underground, 700 meters. Wow. At first, it was feared that none of them could have survived. Even if they could have escaped the blast, they had little water, they barely had enough food or any food, and it took 17 days, uh, 17 days of painstaking searching before a message finally reached the surface which reads simply, all 33 of us are well inside the shelter. Wow, amazing. Even then, amid the rejoicing, the miners and their families were warned that the rescue might take quite a while. It may be as long as four months, maybe until Christmas time. Can you imagine, right? Early August, you want to wait until Christmas, four months, you are just underground, you know, right? And you, you kind of uh, 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 don't have much communication with the outside world. To cut the whole story short, they were rescued after 69 days of ordeal. 69 days. The whole rescue has been dramatic and many of the people have described it as miraculous. It was broadcast live. I haven't seen it. You know? But during that time, many people were watching to see how they were rescued. And not surprisingly, quite a number of them dropped to their knee immediately and they were rescued. They thanked God as soon as they reached the surface. What actually happened down at the small shelter where they were trapped? Somehow in God's divine providence, one of the miners trapped was a committed Christian. His grandfather was also a preacher. He was a committed Christian by the name of Jose Henrique. 
And this is when one of the colleagues turned to him and said, You are the man to lead us in prayer. Now, many of these miners, they were atheists, they were agnostic, right? they were not believing in Jesus, they were rough, they were rugged. But during this time, one of them just turned to him, knowing that he was a Christian, committed Christian. You are the man that's going to lead us in prayer. He said, no problem, but we Christians pray to a living God. And if we are going to pray, we will do it the way I tell you. And so, recounting that moment, and this is what Jose said, we came to the conclusion that though we had lost everything, we hadn't lost the possibility of prayer. When you have lost everything, you haven't lost a possibility of prayer because God is just a prayer away. And I believe that God knew that this thing will happen and somehow He sent one of His people there to be trapped together with the other miners. Can you imagine if you are a Christian, maybe you are wondering, God, why am I trapped here? God, why don't you deliver me? You know, maybe today I should have taken a sick leave and didn't come to work, so I don't have to be trapped. But do you know that God sometimes uses us as a people? We are to be the lights of the world. And God used him. At least there is somebody who knew God down under the shelter. Out of the many, one person who knew God, and God used his child to bring hope to the rest of the people. Right? It was very, uh, uh, really, you know, very interesting. And so, there was no human way out. They can only look to God. They dedicated themselves to prayer. They stand together. They join hands together in the circle and they started to pray. And they do that twice a day. Every day, two times. What else can you do? Every day, two times. They will circle around and they will pray. Uh, even those who do not believe God, they will just join in. As Hosea led them in prayer. Uh, and they do that until the day they were out. It is hard to imagine how this group of people went through the first 17 days. Now, the first 17 days, they were completely cut off from the outside world. The rescue people have, did not manage to reach them. Uh, can you imagine 17 days underground? You do not know what's happening. You have no idea whether there's any rescue and there's not enough food. You know, They only have enough food for three days. There was some canned salmon and sardines, some biscuit, some milk that's no longer fresh and the only drinkable water that had ran out in one day because they were 33 strong men so what do they do right they have to depend on industrial water normally used for drilling it was extremely hot and there was little oxygen it's not it's not a huge place like this it was just a very small place just crammed the 33 men inside apart from the first day when this happened their worst moment came on the 10 days. On the 10 days, they realized that the first such drill had failed to find them. People were trying to drill and they hear it coming, but it missed them. It was on the 10th day. And then, wow, at first they were so excited, maybe help is coming. But when the drill missed them and no more drilling, many of them went into despair again. Because somehow, you know, the drilling missed them. It was terrible feeling. It was like, you know, a searching for a needle in a haystack. And some of them began to lose hope. And the morale was going down. They began to think that they are going to die. In fact, you know, they're so demoralized that one or two of them began to write goodbye letters and will. And then Jose tell them, no, don't do this. 
Let's pray. Let's keep trusting God. And so meanwhile, the prayer circle continued every day, twice a day. And then at last, on the 17th day, I went on for another 17th day, came the miracle. Because according to Hosea, the second drill should have also missed them. Why? Because the map were wrong. And then, you know, as the drill came down, it actually hit a rock. But amazingly, according to their testimony, it looked like there was a divine hand that moved the drill towards them. It hit the rock and it moved. Right? And they believed God moved. God's hand moved the drill towards them. And then everyone agreed that it was an amazing thing. It was the first great answer to their prayer. And, and, and so, you know, it was because the, it was able to drill through them, they are able to pass up a message and say that all 33 of us are alive. It gave hope to the people outside. It gave hope to the people that was underground. And while waiting for the next, you know, uh, 50 days or so in the process, one of the miners' wife gave birth to a baby girl back home. And they named her Esperanza. In Spanish means hope. Hope. Yes, they are holding on to hope. He could not, you know, in fact, they actually show him through video how the wife gave birth. There is hope. They clung on to hope. And now they have contact with the outside world. They couldn't go up because it was through a very small hole. And the rescue effort was still going on to try to reach them, you know. And then... When the right time came, and you know what Jose requested? He requested for Bible, so they managed to drop small Bible. He began to have Bible study with them. He began to share the word of God with them. He was like a pastor to them. Can you imagine? God sent his people there. God did not abandon them. And towards the end, at the right time came, he realized that it's time to make an appeal to ask these people, do you want to give your life to Jesus? So they managed you know, to get a pastor to video call in. And then there are 33 of them, minus Jose, who is a believer. There are 32 who do not believe in God. And 22 of them give their life to Jesus. They gave their life to Jesus out of these extreme circumstances because they can see that the hand of the miracle God and they can experience the presence of God. They can see the answer to prayer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so when they came out, they testified to the presence of a 34th person. And a 19-year-old minor by the name of Jimmy Sanchez, he, uh, he said, there are actually 34 of us because God has never left us down here. Hallelujah. Jesus was with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is with his people all the time. For even those who do not know him, God in his love and mercy is there. As long as they learn how to turn to him. Just like this minor, God was there. They didn't believe him. But when they finally realized that God was with them, many of them gave their life to Jesus. But I want to let you know that it's not just in those extreme circumstances that God is with us. In our daily life, in our daily a uh, uh, struggle, God is with us too. And now I would like to help share Yvonne's testimony. She was too shy to come up here to share. So I'm going to read her testimony to you. Right? This is Yvonne's testimony. He said, I grew up in a broken family with a single mother taking care of four children. Since young, we shifted from one home, we shifted from home to home, and I always felt fear 
insecurity and lack of love during my childhood time. I came to know about Christianity during my teenage time, and I always believed there's only one God, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though I grew up in such a bad situation, without realizing that with the blessing and grace from God, I became a better person and supported my whole family. But after I came out to the working society, and with the temptation from the outside environment, I slowly drifted apart from God and ended with a failed marriage. During the journey of my life, I have made mistakes and committed sins. It's a consolation to know that in 1 John 1, 9, that say, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Four years ago, my very close friend, Lilian Pan, led, led me back to the church again. Ever since then, I have a lot of peace and comfort in my life. For instance, when my mother passed away this year, I no longer have fear compared to 15 years ago when my brother passed away. I needed someone to sleep in the same room with me for two months. This is because I realized that when I walk closer with God, and I know that He's always with me when I needed Him. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. To most people, a luxurious life is to have a big car and a big bungalow. But I am enjoying a luxurious life now with the freedom from fear, stress and worries, which can only come from our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me all this while, and I truly thankful to that. Today, I make my commitment to faith in Jesus Christ by Walter Patterson. Can we give a hand right? and thank God and appreciate Sister Yvonne from sharing her testimony. And so you realize that even in her testimony, young as she is, as a teenager, she already come to know God. And God was with her and helping her, supporting her. Even though there was a season in her life, she drifted away from God, but God never drifted away from her. We are the ones that drift away from God, but God never drift away from her. And God in His love brought her back. And when she recommit, she's no longer fear. Brother passed away, two months couldn't sleep on her own because of fear. But now, she was able to do so when her mother passed away uh, not long ago. That is a freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, because Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is with us. He is with us all the time. Hallelujah. So the Christmas story is not just about a cute little baby lying in a manger, but it's about a living Savior. A God who loves us, about a God who cares for us, about Jesus coming down. Uh, eventually, he grew up to be a man. He died on the cross from our, for our sin. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. That's why we have a living hope in Jesus. We have a living hope in Jesus. And this is the good news for all mankind. Not just for Christians, but for all mankind. Why do Christians want to share the gospel? Why do we want to go house to house caroling? Unfortunately, this year we couldn't do it because of the pandemic. Why do we sing carols, joy to the world? Because indeed, right, this is the good news for all mankind. If we, all, we all need hope to live a purposeful life. As I browse through the many news, the pictures, the videos, of the flood that hits Langor. It really saddens my heart. The sight of the aftermath is so heartbreaking. The flood victims need hope to pick themselves up for the rebuilding of their home. 
And I hope that those of us who are not affected will help in whatever way we can to assist in the rebuilding effort. Uh, there are Christian organizations that we have sent out to the cell leader to send you off. For those of you who want to volunteer yourself to help you know, in cleaning up, and later, you know, we also, as a church, we also want to uh, contribute uh, to this rebuilding effort in whatever way that we can. Uh, we all need hope. And in the devotional written, uh, written by Nick Gumbel, he recorded the death of an eight-year-old girl, Sasha, from a brain tumor. He remembered he was called to visit Sasha in the hospital. And on the way, in the taxi, he was desperately trying to think and pray about what God would want him to say. Only one word came to my mind, hope, hope. The father of the girl, Ralph, spoke after the death of his daughter about his understanding of living in hope. Now, the parents were Christian. The daughter had just died, eight-year-old, died of a brain tumor. I believe many people have been praying for their young little girl, praying for God's healing. But how come no healing come? Somehow God in his will, divine wisdom, find that it's time to take the little girl home. Right? So it is, it is very difficult for parents, isn't it? You can't tell the parents that. You know, sometimes we hear people say, oh, God loves him more than we love him, or God loves her more than we love her, that's why God takes her home. But it's very Difficult to tell parents that, isn't it? But Ralph the father was saying this. This is when we talk about living in hope. It's not the kind of wishy-washy, I hope this will happen, I hope that will happen. But it probably won't happen. It's a sure, confident, positive hope. Coming from a father who just lost his daughter, he said it's a sure, confident and positive hope. He said our hope was placed not in an outcome, but in the Lord. Not in the outcome. doesn't matter what is the outcome. But our hope is in God. So even as little Shasha held on to hope, the little girl knew Jesus. She held on to, uh, uh, to Jesus, to hope that she had. And in the final two weeks of her life, she actually went blind. She couldn't see. And Ralph said, I remember lying in the bed saying to her, Sasha, do you ever see angels? And this little girl don't have much energy to speak, but she said, no, dad. So when the father heard that, he was a bit disappointed because he thought that maybe God will let her see angel, comfort her, that she have a better place in heaven. But she said, no, dad. So the father was disappointed and then he thought, maybe we will go for the big one. And say, then she said, do you ever see Jesus? I asked. That's what the father said. And the little girl immediately answered, of course I do. He holds my hand. Hallelujah. Of course I do. He holds my hand. It was so assuring to the father, the little girl, dying, blinded. She didn't see angels. She, did, she didn't need to see angels. Seeing Jesus is more than enough. Because Jesus 
is greater than the angel. And that is the living hope that we have in Jesus. Little Shasha found the hope and the parents found the hope. It does not depend on the outcome in this world, but it depends on the everlasting reality that God is real, that God is with us. Sometimes we pray for healing, but God gives something better. Hallelujah. Now, sometimes we don't understand and we say that God didn't answer our prayer, but God knows better than us and God is still saying the same thing. I love you. I am with you. Jesus, God is Savior. Emmanuel, God is with us. If you are feeling a little down today, you are feeling a little confused or even depressed, or perhaps you have a lot of doubt, question in your mind, or you may even be searching for the meaning of life, may this message bring hope to you. That Jesus saved And Jesus is with you And you are looking for a purpose Jesus will give you The abundant life That you are looking for Amen Amen